there. Welcome to another life-transforming sermon with Dr. Dazwit Achero. Alright, can we go to the word of God quickly? Let's do this quick. Amen. Now, we've been looking at becoming a valuable member uh, or a valuable church member. And this ties into the theme of this year. And the theme of this year is loving the church. Young people, we need to love the church. Amen. And so, can I get an amen? amen? Good, good, good. And so, we've been looking at what are these uh, marks that demonstrate that you are a valuable member of the church. We looked at the first one, which was a consistent attendee. You must be a consistent attendee. The second one was, you must be a consistent giver. The third one was, you must be a consistent worker, church worker. You're doing something in the house of God. And so I want to continue from there and give you number four, which is a consistent disciple of Jesus Christ. You must be a consistent disciple of Jesus Christ. All right. Go with me to Luke chapter 14 from verse 25. That's where we're going to draw our lessons, our lesson of today. Uh, Luke chapter 14 from verse 25. I'm going to extrapolate some very powerful principles from this verse that will give you the portrait of who um, uh, this uh, disciple of Jesus Christ looks like. So Luke chapter 14, verse 25. If you're there, shout louder, amen. The Bible says, Now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, somebody say mercy, and wife, what? I'm glad they didn't say husband. And, and, and children, <laughs> brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciples. Now, if your Bible is like mine, these letters are in red, signifying that it was Jesus who was speaking these words. Verse 27, and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king goes, or, or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Now, we want to look at you being a consistent disciple of Jesus Christ. And you can never be this person who loves the church, who is a valuable member of the church if you are not a consistent disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, the word disciple comes from the Latin word discipulus, which means the following. It means follower, it means student, it means people, it means, it means a trainee. Therefore, if you are to sum up all these uh, words together, a disciple is a protege who believes in a quit essential. That means he's a, 
is a mentee who believes in a mentor. It is one who has a mentor and he learns from that mentor. A, a disciple also is one who disciplines himself to adhere to the teachings of his master. Every man that has a following has something that he has subscribed to, something that he believes in, and he will want to disseminate the same to those who follow him. So a disciple is one who follows such a person and is able to adhere to the teachings of that person. A disciple also is one who ardently follows another. You see, in ancient days, masters used to have followers, and they could follow the master everywhere he went. That's why, you know, we had the zealots. We had uh, the disciples of John. And then we had the disciples of Jesus. So when we talk about a disciple of Jesus, what do we mean? A disciple of Jesus, to summarize all these things that I've already said, is one that has the disposition of a student, adheres to the teachings of Jesus Christ, and ardently follows him no matter what. I want to say that again. A disciple of Jesus Christ has the disposition of a student, that means he's willing to learn, and adheres to the teachings of Jesus Christ and ardently follows him no matter what. So if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you must become a student. You must become a learner. And then you must adhere to the teachings of Jesus Christ. Everything that Jesus has said, you have to embrace it, you have to believe it, and you have to inculcate it in your life. And then you follow him no matter what. No matter what happens in your life, no matter what takes place in your life, regardless of where you are, regardless of what you're going through, you decide that you're going to follow Jesus. Look at your neighbor and tell them, I am a disciple of Jesus. Now, when a believer gets to this stage, in his faith walk, automatically he becomes a valuable member in the church. You see, when you follow Jesus, what will happen to you is you begin, you begin to emulate Jesus. You begin to emulate his lifestyle. You begin to emulate, emulate his passion. You begin to emulate what is very important to Jesus Christ. Because the person that you follow begins to influence you. In fact, the person that you follow, at some point in your following, you start looking like that person. You start talking like that person. You start thinking like that person. You start behaving like that particular person. So when you follow Jesus, you will be in love with the church. And when you're in love with the church, you become a valuable member of the church. Are you hearing me, somebody? So when you follow Jesus, you emulate him, you emulate his ideals, his principles, his philosophy, and then you imbibe everything that Jesus is, his character, his passion, his love, and his, his commitment to the church. Everything about Jesus becomes part and parcel of your life. Let me hasten to say this, that you can't claim to be a follower of Jesus and hate the church. You can't claim to be a follower of Jesus and destroy the church. The more you're a disciple of Jesus, am I preaching to the right crowd today? The more you're a follower of Jesus, the more you love the church. And the more you love the church, the more you become a valuable member of the church. Now, I want you to understand something here, that the church is at the epicenter of Jesus' mission here on earth. The church is the reason why Jesus came. The church is the reason why Jesus died. The church is the reason why Jesus did not stay in the grave. On the third day, he rose up again. 
The church is the reason why Jesus ascended to the Father. The church is the reason why Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you and I. So when you draw closer to Jesus, when you become a disciple of Jesus, you will have the passion that Jesus has for the church. You will have the commitment that Jesus has for the church. You will have the love that Jesus has for the church. I'm preaching better than your responses here. Let's look at how Jesus loves the church. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25 to 29. The Bible says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he may present her to himself of a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. So there is a challenge to the men or to the husbands to love their wives. But, but because I'm in this service, I'll not talk about husbands and wives because most of you are not married here anyway. But if it was a scripture about boy and girl and dating, I could have gone deeper. So, but what I want you to see here is that Jesus loved the church. And he loved the church to a point where he was willing to die for the church. And he died to sanctify and to cleanse her. And so, when, when, when you move closer to Jesus, you start having the same desire, the same passion, the same commitment that Jesus had for the church. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, I love Jesus and I love my church. I love Jesus and I love the church. Because Jesus loved the church, when you move closer to him, you will love the church. Because Jesus was committed to the church, when you move closer to him and become his disciple, you will be committed to the church. So the more you become a disciple of Jesus Christ, the more you are attracted, the more you gravitate towards the church, and you will be part and parcel of the church. You will be a builder of the church. You will play an integral part in the church to ensure that the church grows and the church fulfills her mandate here on earth. Can I hear an amen? And so Luke chapter 14 gives us the portrait of this disciple of Jesus Christ. And I want us to look at it quickly even as we go deeper. This disciple of Jesus Christ, how does he look like? Number one, this person is decisive. Somebody say decisive. Jesus begins this scripture by saying if. Somebody shout if. Now that word if simply denotes that we actually have a choice in this matter, if we desire to be the disciples of Jesus Christ, we must make a choice. We must make a decision. Nobody will make that decision for you. Look at what the Bible says. Jesus said, if anyone, if anyone, if anyone comes to me, if anyone comes to me. So that means you have a choice in this matter. Your mother will not choose it for you. Your father will not choose it for you. Your friends will not choose it for you. You have to make that decision as an individual. You have to decide that from today, you're not just going, you're not just going to be a church goer, but you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. This decision is the first step towards discipleship. Unless you make this decision, you will never become a disciple of Jesus Christ. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you must begin by making that decision. It takes this decision for you to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. 
Look, there are many people who go to church, but they haven't made this decision yet. They will be in church, but they are not true disciples of Jesus. They don't follow Jesus the way they should. They don't subscribe to all his teachings. They just subscribe, subscribe to part of the teachings of, the, of, of, of Jesus Christ. But when you become a disciple, more than just going to church, you subscribe to all the teachings of Jesus Christ. Everything that he has said becomes part and parcel of your life. What he has said about life, you subscribe to it. What he has said about money, you subscribe to it. What he has said about love, you subscribe to it. What he has said about prayer, you subscribe to it. What he has said about worship, you subscribe to it. What he has said about serving, you subscribe to it. You leave no stone unturned. You become a true disciple of Jesus Christ when you subscribe to everything that he has outlined to, uh, to us or for us in his word. So look at your neighbor and tell them, I'm not just a church goer. I am a disciple of Jesus. You become a staunch adherent to the ideals, values, and principles of Jesus Christ. Now, there's somebody here that I want us to look at in Matthew chapter 19 very quickly. He's a young, rich ruler. He's a young, rich ruler. He's, 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 a, he's a rich person who is young. And I prophesy, you young people, you'll be rich in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Did, 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 I, hear, did I hear an amen from the young people or you are, you're clearing your, 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 your throat? I say you'll be a, a, a rich young believer in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. You'll be coming to church with a nice car. And you'll be going to a nice house. Beautiful house. Five bedrooms. Wow. With a jukebox in your living room. You know what a jukebox is? Beautiful. Nice food. Nice leather seats. When you enter your house, you start hearing the voice of God. <laughs> Receive that prophecy in the name of Jesus. I said, receive that prophecy in Jesus' name. Look, some of you are struggling to receive what I'm saying because you are thinking that when you get married, that's when you'll be rich. Tell your neighbor, it's too late. The prophecy has already come. I prophesy over every young people and every young person under the sound of my voice. May God bless you while you're still single. Oh, can I get a louder amen here? I said, may God bless you while you're still single. May you drive before you're married. May you buy land before you're married. May you buy a house before you're married. Hey, receive it, receive it in the name of Jesus. Yeah? Ah, you can sit down. Because some people say, oh, me, I'm waiting. The day I'll get married. Hmm. I'm waiting for a rich brother who will deliver me from poverty. Who told you you want to marry poor, broke sisters? Even as brothers, we are lifting our standards. When you come, come with something. <laughs> I can see you are not liking what I'm saying. But I've said it anyway. Tell a lady next to you, come with something. Have something. Bring something on the table. Some ladies have nothing. So that so when the brother, everything the brother says, she says yes. What do you like? I like what you like. Where do you want to go? I like to go where you want to go. Where do you want to live? I want to live where you like living. Hey. Tell your neighbor, come with something on the table. Alright, can we read the scripture now? Matthew chapter 19 from verse 16. A young rich ruler 
He's being confronted with the question of discipleship. The Bible says, now behold, one came and said to him, good teacher, what good shall I do that I may have eternal life? Verse 17. Move quickly. So he said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. But if you want to enter into, the, into life, keep the commandments. Then he said, verse 18. He said to him, which ones? Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Verse 19. Honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 20. The young man said to him, all these things, I love this young man, up to this point, all these things, he said, I have done. May you also do all these things that this young man, this young man did in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. He says, he says, I have kept all these things from my youth. What do I still lack? Verse 21. Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go. Sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come and do what? And follow me. He said, now I want you to be my disciple indeed. Sell everything and then come and follow me. Wow. Now when you read that verse, you think that God wants us to be poor so that we may be able to follow him. But here, the question was not money. The question here was the disposition of his heart. What Jesus wanted to know is where is his heart? He had kept the commandments, yes, but he wanted to know where was his heart? Because just saying that you keep the commandments of God does not mean that your heart is after God. Because the people, there are people who do it out of duty, not out of relationship. So he wanted to know where is the heart of this young man? He said, okay, you get rid of everything. Then come and follow me. Then look at what happened, verse 22. Ooh, DJ. But when the young man heard this saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He was not willing to let go what he had when he was confronted with the question of discipleship. He could not make that decision and say, Jesus, whatever you have said, I'm going to do. I'm going to sell everything and I'm, gonna, I'm going to follow you. He could not make that decision. No wonder he went away sorrowful. That's what I'm telling you. Discipleship begins with a decision. You have to decide that wealth will not take the place of God in your life. Money will not take the place of God in your life. When God tells you, get rid of this for my sake, you will get rid of it. When God tells you, sell this car for my sake, you will sell the car. When God says, sell this land for my sake, you will sell this land. I can tell why it is very quiet. Guy, this land I've saved 10 years to buy. Then God, is, God wants it. If you are a disciple of Jesus, you will give it away. Because you know, by giving, you are not losing, you are gaining. Because the Bible says, give and it will come back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. You know that you are not losing, but rather you are gaining. You understand that the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all its righteousness. And all these things, cars, lands, fame, all these things will do what? Will follow you. So Jesus did not want to make him poor. Jesus wanted to test his loyalty. He wanted to see where his heart is. And he realized that this man is not a disciple indeed. No wonder he left and he went away sorrowful. Ask your neighbor, what do you own? If Jesus tells you to sell it, will you sell it today? For him. 
Some of you ladies, you're looking at your makeup. <laughs> Some of you are looking at your money in the bank. And you're like, wow. And you see, God will always ask that thing that is very close to your heart. Yes. He doesn't want to make you poor. He just wants to know, is this person a disciple indeed? Because a disciple will always follow the master. And the disciple will always obey the master. I pray that you will make that decision to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Nothing will hold you back. Nothing will hinder you from making that decision in the name of Jesus. Can I get an amen? Atakama niya ouch. Alright. Secondly, a disciple of Jesus understands the demands of discipleship. He understands the demands. Somebody say the demands. The demands of discipleship. Now, everything that you see that is a success story, there are tons and tons of demands that people don't get to see. We don't see, you know, a lot of people that we see that have made it, they are successful, they have, they have big, big businesses, they have built, you know, buildings left, right, and center. They are doing so well. Their companies are great. I want you to know that we don't get to see the many, many things that are behind their success. We don't see strategy. We don't see endurance. We don't see patience. We don't see the sacrifices that they have made. We don't see the savings that have gone into uh, ensuring that the vision they have is actualized. We don't see all those things. But if you remove the demands, you know, of every success story, that success story will fizzle out. There is a demand for everything valuable. There is a demand for everything great. Because nothing of value can be achieved without understanding and embracing the demands behind it. Today's successful people were not known yesterday because they were dealing with the demands. They were behind the scenes. They were in obscurity, working on their vision, making sacrifices, planning, you know, uh, coming up with blueprints of where they want to go. And many of those things, you don't get to see them. We only see, you know, the big picture at the end of the process. And sometimes you can be deluded to think that this person just woke up and became successful. It's not true. They have been in a process that has matured them, in a process that has helped them and empowered them to be where they are today. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Do you, do you get what I'm talking about? You see, when I look at some of these, uh, I'm not campaigning for anyone, but when I look at Raila Odinga, Raila Odinga has been in this thing for years. Years, I'm telling you. Raila Odinga started politics because before some of you were born. Ask your neighbor, when were you born? You'll be so shocked. Ask your neighbor, when were you born? Some of you are not even talking to your neighbors. Is it that bad? And so the clout he has, he has built over years. His name is a household name. He has been there for years. Do you understand what I'm talking about? And please, I'm not campaigning for him. I'm just trying to show you something here that you may be able uh, to understand. Do you get what I'm talking about? When you go to countries like America, for years they have been working on their systems. Years, systems. You know, America is not a young nation like Kenya. Kenya, we are 50-something years old. America, their democracy is over 200 years. They have been working on their systems behind the scenes. So when you go there, you see roads. You are like, oh, wow. I wish we can have this in our country. When you go there, you see systems are working. You know, if somebody tells you, I'm dropping your parcel 
tomorrow at 4.59. 4.59, your parcel will be there. Then come to our fundies here. <laughs> the fund is taking you measurements and is concentrating. Taking you measurements here, west, here, here, everything. It tells you, give me two weeks. Two weeks you call, not yet ready. Three weeks, not yet ready. The fourth week, he brings the thing. When you wear it, you can't even recognize yourself. You're wondering, what was this guy measuring? Systems. There are things that we have not worked on behind the scene. Anything that you see of value, there's a demand behind it. There's something that was done that you cannot see that is making that thing possible. Do you understand what I'm talking about? You see, when you look at me, you will think I started preaching the other day. They will tell you, I've been in ministry for a while. I've been in this thing for a while. I've been on the stage for a while. I've been under these lights for a while. Some of you, if I bring you here, even if you had something to say, the moment this light hits you, your mind goes blank. Because it's something that is new to you. I have built something inside of me. There's something that has been developed over the years. And maybe started even before some of you were born. So there is a demand. Somebody shout a demand. Discipleship has demands. And unless you meet the demands of discipleship, you can never be a true disciple of Jesus Christ. And Jesus in Luke chapter 14, he gives us a catalog of the demands of discipleship. I call it the cost of discipleship. Number, number one, he says you must hate your family. Now when you read this family, you feel tension. How can I hate my family? How can I hate my brothers and my sisters? How can I hate my mother? How can I hate my father? How can I hate my children? I mean, you feel tension. I mean, it's shocking that Jesus could actually use such strong words as far as discipleship is concerned. Does it mean that he wants you to hate in the name of hate those he has commanded you to love elsewhere in the scriptures? Does it mean that Jesus is contradicting himself? Of course not. What it means is that our allegiance, somebody say allegiance, and our love, somebody say love, for Jesus must be so great that by comparison, our love for our family looks like hatred. I need to say that again. What it means that is that our allegiance and our love for Jesus, for God, must be so great that by comparison, our love for our family looks like hatred. So that means hate is used in this context to mean you love Jesus more than you love your earthly relationships. You love Jesus more than you love your children. You love Jesus more than you love your wife. You love Jesus more than you love your parents. You love Jesus more than you love your siblings. I'm not getting any amen in this place. You see, Jesus says that because he knows that there will be a conflict. There's a, there's, 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 there's a point you will get as a believer where you have to make a choice. And so if your love for Jesus is greater, when you get at that particular point, it will be very easy for you to make a decision. There will be a conflict. Sometimes your family members can become a stumbling block you know, in your life as far as your faith is concerned. They will try and stop you from serving God. 
They will tell you you can't go to church. They will tell you you cannot fast. They will tell you you cannot pray. They will tell you that you cannot go to that church and serve God. Stop doing what you're doing. You have to stay in the house and do other things. So when you get at that point, it's a critical point. If your love for Jesus is greater, you will tell whoever is telling you that, that I really love you, I really honor you, I really respect you, but let me tell you, I love Jesus more than you, so I have to do this. I love God more than I love you. Hallelujah. I was telling the people in the first service, if my love for my wife was greater than my love for Jesus, I could not have sent to Embakasi to start a branch. I sent her because I love God more than I love her. Because when I was in a hotel in Ghana, God spoke to me and told me, I want you to send your wife out to go and do the work of the ministry. And when I came, immediately that's what I did. Because my love for God is greater than my love for her. Do you think I don't want her to be by my side? Of course I do. I want my baby to be by my left. When I turn, I see my baby. When I feel like hugging my baby, I hug my baby. But then I remember Jesus said, you have to let her go. And so because I love Jesus... More than I love her, I have to obey Jesus. Whatever he tells me, that's what I do. And I've realized even my love for her has grown stronger. Her love for me has grown stronger. Because every time you love God more than your earthly relationships, God enriches your earthly relationships. Who am I preaching to in this house? He, he, he will make them stronger. Tell your neighbor, it's a demand. Of discipleship. Oh my goodness. Are you getting this? Look at your neighbor and tell them, I love God. I love Jesus more than my earthly relationships. Another demand that Jesus is giving us is you have to hate yourself. Ooh. It's getting hotter. You just thought it was earthly relationships. No. Now, it is you now. You have to hate yourself. All of us will love ourselves. We love ourselves. Look at the way we look. We love ourselves. The way we are dressed. You know, we take care of ourselves. We take a shower. We spray ourselves a little bit. You know, you go to the barber shop. You know, you get a haircut. You go to the salon. And the ladies, when they go to the salon, it's like one hour, two hours, three hours. I wonder what they do there. I mean, three hours, four hours. And then they send you an SMS and tell you the bill. Lord, have mercy. Have mercy, Jesus. Uh, and as we just walk in, that guy throws something around you. In 30 minutes, you're done. I'm telling you. So we love ourselves. Yeah. If you didn't love yourself, you could not have taken care of yourself, isn't it? So you paint your lips, you paint your fingernails, you, you, know, you make sure you look good so that when you look at the mirror, you like what you see, isn't it? Yeah. That's why you apply something on your face, isn't it, ladies? To cover some bumps and some valleys and some deep gullies that are on your face. So when you take that picture for Instagram, my goodness, you will slay all the way. Can I get an amen in the heart? Tell your neighbor, I'm getting ready to slay after this service. You watch and see. <laughs> we, 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 we love ourselves. We love ourselves. Everybody loves himself. And I encourage you to love yourself because the Bible says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. You can't love me if you don't love yourself. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So the love you have for yourself should be equal to the love you have for your neighbor. But the love you have for God should be greater than the love you have for yourself. 
Who am I talking to in this house? It, it, it should be greater. So that means when it comes to a place where you have to choose between your desires and God's desires, you choose God's desires. You allow the desires of God to be preeminent in your life. You allow God's will and purpose over your life to be fulfilled. Because there is a time also you'll have a tug of war. I mean, you, God says one thing, but you feel like going a different direction. God says do this, but you feel like you need to do something that is contrary to what God has said. And it's appealing to, your, to yourself, it's appealing to your passions, it's appealing to your desires, it's appealing to what you think or your perspe perspective about life. So you have to make a decision and say, when it gets here, God must be number one. Jesus must be number one. I will not follow after my passions. I will not follow after my cravings. I will not follow after my desires. I will follow after the desires of God. Do you hate yourself? No, you need to. In light of what I'm preaching, you need to hate yourself. Because what does it mean to hate yourself? It means that you prefer God above your own desires. Hallelujah. You prefer God above your own desires. So, pastor, are you telling me that now I have to live a very boring life? You know, I don't desire things. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you desiring the things that God desires. And God has not exempted you from some things. There are things you can enjoy and still please God. You can swim and still please God. Are you understanding what I'm talking talking about you can eat in a seven star hotel and still please God. Yes, you can live in a decent house and still please God. So I'm not talking about a boring life because sometimes when you preach like this people think you're talking about a boring life you should not even desire anything. You can't eat pizza because if you eat pizza it's like you're sinning you know you should not uh, you, you, you should not live in a nice house because when you live in a nice house it's like you're sinning I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about doing things that please the heart of God. You prefer God above your own cravings and desires. So if God says fast and you feel like eating, you decide that you're going to follow God and you decide to fast. If the pastor announces we are fasting for seven days, you don't tell yourself you fast for two days. You are listening to your own desires. You say if pastor says seven days, it is seven days. My goodness, you start the first day. The first day you have a breakthrough. Because your body has not realized that there is no food in the system. So you have a breakthrough. You're telling people, ah, ikitu, tutatoboa. Second day, you are shaken a little bit. Hey, but you say, uh, I think we can make it. Third day, even waking up is a problem. You struggle to get out of your bed. You literally stumble to the bathroom to go and shower. Even the way you are showering, somebody will think you're going to die. <laughs> Even applying soap on your body is like a temptation. It's a struggle the third day. Then you leave, you go to work. You know, Monday you are greeting people, say, hey, how are you? How are you? Wednesday you are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We are all here. We thank God. We are all here. We are all here. And then, lunchtime, one of your colleagues tells you today, I want you to take you to a joint. I want to buy you lunch. At that point, you have to make a decision. Will I obey my desire or will I obey God's desire? You understand what I'm saying? By evening you are done. You are so tired. Your body begins to talk to you. It tells you, you, you want to kill me. 
You want to kill me, you? You want me to die? And you're struggling. Say, no, I don't want you to die. And then tells you, give me food. Give me food right now. You have a headache. Your head is throbbing. I'm telling you, you're feeling nausea. You go to bed, you try to sleep. You can't sleep. Yeah? You know, when you fast, you can't sleep. So you have to pray. So you wake up and you're praying. Your prayers are even weak. Oh, God. Oh, God. Help us. Oh, God. God, just help me. Oh, God, will I finish this fasting really? Oh, God. Because you can see I fasted for three days. Can I break it? Your flesh is talking to you. You have to keep on persisting. Then Thursday comes. Oh, Thursday, you feel like now you're almost closer to the goal. Then the body tells you, now that you have denied me food, look for pictures of food. Just pictures. Don't eat. Just look for pictures. And you start seeing pictures. You start seeing pictures. When you drive, you see anything that looks like food. Mindy Choma, Mutura, everything on the road. Things that you normally don't see. Your eyes are sharp. Your body is telling you, look left. Then you look, wow. Look right. Wow. Oh, you smell food a hundred kilometers away. That is Ugali. It's almost getting ready to be eaten. Ah, that is chicken. Kwanza yu kienyeji. That is, you. I mean, your body now is fighting you. He's telling you a lot of things. But you still have a decision to make. You have to say, I'm pushing on. I'm pushing on. I can smell food, but I'm pushing on. I desire to eat, but I'm pushing on. Then Friday comes. Wow, when Friday comes, the body has now resigned. He's not fighting you anymore. You feel stronger. You feel energetic. You feel like your prayers are now penetrating. Saturday, you're on top of the world. By the time you're concluding the fasting, you feel like you can continue one more week. What has happened to you? You have decided to deny yourself. You have decided to allow God's desires to take charge of your life. I see you pleasing God. I see you pleasing God. I pray for you to please God. I pray for you to deny yourself and just please God in everything that you do in the name of Jesus. Can I get a louder amen in this house? Somebody lift your hand and shout and say, I'll please God in everything that I do. That's why Jesus said, carry your cross. Take it and carry it. Carry the cross. Hallelujah. The cross was an instrument of death. Zeph, carry your cross. Take your flesh and kneel it on the cross and obey the desires of God. Hallelujah. When God says, no fornication. Even if you feel like, oh God, there is power. There is fire. I have to do it today. You feel like you need to lie to a girl somewhere. Then you remember, uh -uh. what does God say? No fornication. Then you tell your body, cool down. There's a song, cool down. Cool down. See, there's a song like that. Cool down. There's a song we used to advertise that YC with. Cool down. Cool down. I don't know what they say. What do they say there? Tell your neighbor, cool down, cool down, cool down, cool down. And then you cool, cool down. Yeah, because you say, I want the desires of God to be manifested in my life. Hallelujah. Please lay your hands on your neighbor and just pray for them to cool down in the name of Jesus. It's very hot. Pray for them to cool down, to cool down. No, Dr. Gole, don't pray for your wife to cool down. You, you guys are okay. 
Hey, hey, that, way, that, that one there should not be cooling. <laughs> Another demand. <laughs> Another demand is giving up your position. I've touched on it. Verse 33, Jesus says, So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. You have to be willing to tell God, God, everything I have is yours. I don't own anything. Do you know that we are not owners? We are stewards. Yeah, everything you have, God has given it to you. That's why you can see that there are people who are working harder than you, but they are not even where you are. It's the grace of God. It's the blessings of God. God has blessed you. Hallelujah. At 92, uh, in, in the year 92, I think I was in Form 3 or Form 4. I had started traveling out of this country. I think I was in Form 2 or Form 3. I traveled out of this country. That's, that's the blessings of God. In a school of almost 100 students, I was chosen. How do you explain that? It's the blessings of God, isn't it? And I was even chosen by default. I remember I was just coming from break. I was going to class. I'm just saying, then there's another teacher who came from the service and said, you, come here. I said, oh, what have I done? He said, you have not done anything. Stand here. He went inside. Then he came out. He said, come in. When I entered, the teachers were seated. They started asking me questions. I answered. Then I left. Only to realize I have been selected because I answered the questions correctly. If you tell me what they asked me, I cannot even tell you right now. I don't even know what I said. It's the favor of God. It's the blessings of God. So what you have, I'm telling you, you are just a steward. You're not the owner. God is the owner. Do you understand what I'm talking about? God is the owner. There are many people who had the dream that you have, but they never became who you are now. They wanted to be lawyers, they never became. They wanted to be engineers, they never became. They wanted to be singers, they never became. They wanted to be preachers, they never became. They wanted to be doctors, they never became doctors. But look at you. It's the hand of God. So you are a steward of what you have. So come to a place where you say, God, all these things I have, they belong to you. If you want, take. Take. God comes to Abraham and says, I want your son. A son he has been waiting for years. By the time he was getting Isaac, he was in his almost, his, actually he was in his 90s, almost 100. Then God says, I want Isaac, your son. He said, God, you want Isaac? I'll bring him to him. I'll bring him to you. Yes, and he was willing to give Isaac back to God after waiting all these years. The problem with us is anything that God gives us, we are like a lion. We draw our clothes and sink our clothes in it. And we say, it's mine. It's like little children. You buy them sweets. You give them, take it. Then you say, bring it back. Mm, yango. It's not yako. I bought it for you. Yeah. Essentially, it belongs to me. I just gave it to you so that you can be able to enjoy it. And many of us, that's how we behave with God. He gives us things. We sink our clothes. And when God wants it back, we say, no, I cannot give it back to you. Because we are thinking that God is broke. God is not broke. God doesn't need your car. God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need your job. God needs your heart. He just wants to. Once in a while, he'll be checking to see where your heart is. Give me your car, I see where your heart is. Give me your money, I see where your heart is. Give me this, I see. Give me your time. Give me your talents. Give me your gifts. He's just checking to see where your heart is. A disciple of Jesus meets the demand of releasing or relinquishing his possession to the hands of God. This man, the young, rich ruler, the Bible says he went away because he had great possessions. 
He was filthy rich. Some of us, we are not at this level and we are still sinking close on things. What, what if you get to that level? What's going to happen to you? Huh? God gave you a bicycle. You have sunk your clothes in a bicycle. What if he gives you a car? He's given you a job that you're earning 50,000. You have sunk your clothes in it. What if he gives you a job you're earning a million shillings? What's going to happen to you? Shall we even see you in church? Hmm? Huh? A duet. Heaven should stop. You have received a duet. A duet. Do you know what a duet is? Like a very small car. Duet. Huh? A duet. Someone said duet. <laughs> and you have sunk your clothes in it. What if he gives you a beaker? What's going to happen to you? The demands of discipleship. If you're going to follow him, understand the demands of discipleship. Can I get an amen here? So ask your neighbor, what do you have? That if God asks you, you can give it to him. Mm. Mercy. Some of you young people is your pocket money. Your pocket money is your world. When they give you your pocket money, you cannot even tithe. Sink all your clothes in it. What if you get your own job and you're earning millions? It's not because God wants your money. He's not broke. He wants to check where your heart is. And look, by giving you don't lose. You actually gain. It's a principle. Hallelujah. When Isaac, when Abraham released Isaac, what happened? Isaac was still alive. Abraham did not kill him. The angel stopped him midair. Then the angel told him, look, there's provision already for you. Yeah. That day, Abraham still offered a sacrifice. But it was not Isaac. It was Aram. So tell your neighbor, stop being stingy. I'm called stingy at a makofi. I'm going to preach. I'm going to preach. Number three, the last time. The last one, I'm done. He's the last one and then I'm done. He's a devotee. He's a devotee. A disciple is a devotee. Number one, he has to make a decision. Number two, he understands the demands of discipleship. And number three, he is a devotee. A devotee is an ardent follower or a supporter or an enthusiast of a religion, art, or even sport. You see, people are devoted to different things, isn't it? There are people who are devoted to food. They love food. There's a channel I watch on DSTV about food. There are people who are cooking. They are compete to cook. And then there are others who travel different places to eat very interesting things. You know, there was a particular one I was watching. A guy was eating uh, some very strange creatures. And as he's eating, they're asking, so how is it? And he's trying to explain how the thing is. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, it will not even go in my mouth. I mean, they are just passionate about food. You know, one time we were in Ghana, and we asked our host to take us to a place where we can eat traditional food. And she took us to a place, I'm telling you, it was not easy. At some point I said, I should not have asked for this. Even the, 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 the smell, some things, they look, she had to teach us how to eat. 
I remember this particular bowl which had some green soup. You take something, you dip, you throw something inside, but you're not supposed to like chew it. You just throw it and swallow. Where? And then they brought some snails there. Snail, I'm telling you. Snail is a delicacy in West Africa. I took it. Hey. Put in the mouth. Hey. As it was going down, I was praying. Where? I remember Pastor Eva. <coughs> She's not here. When I went to wash my hands, she told me, Pastor, I, 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 I don't know what I'm going to do. I feel like throwing up. We had not even started eating. I say, be strong, be strong. We have to eat. Be strong, be strong, be strong. We have to eat. You know. One time we went to a restaurant and we asked for sushi. I took my family to a restaurant. I wanted to treat them. We asked for sushi. Sushi is raw, raw fish. Where? It was not easy. We were eating because we had ordered, not because we were enjoying. And it, it, was <laughs> it was a tough experience. And we were asking, I said, how is it? So we are encouraging. I said, how is it? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, it's nice. But inside, we said, mm -mm, it's, not, it's not nice. It's not. <laughs> so there are people who have different tastes and passions for different things. They, they have devoted themselves to different things. There are people who have uh, a passion for fashion. Yeah, fashion. They love new clothes, whatever. You know, they'll go and check this particular uh, brand that is trending on whatever. They will out there, they'll be out there doing window shopping and stuff like that. And there are people who love sports, passionate about sports. And many Kenyans are very passionate about sports, especially football. You know, we support these teams in the English uh, Premier League. And we're very passionate. Yeah? Arsenal supporters, are you here? They're not here. Chelsea supporters, we are praying for you. We are going through a very difficult time. May God be with you. Father, we just want to thank you for coming through for us yesterday night. It was a very difficult game, but Lord, we appreciate you for fighting our battles. The enemy was against us, but Lord, you granted us victory. Glory be to your name, Jesus. No wonder I'm preaching this powerfully. Man U supporters, are you here? Hey. Okay. Manchester United supporters, are you here? <laughs> you can see they want to swallow me now. I have to correct yeah, my address of the team. Hallelujah. So people are passionate about different things. A disciple of Jesus is passionate about Jesus. He's a follower of Jesus, committed to Jesus. No matter what, he follows, he obeys, he loves, he is committed to Jesus Christ. Many of the people that Jesus called, he gave them a challenge to be his followers. He wanted them to be devoted completely to him. Mark chapter 2, verse 14. The Bible says, as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. And what did he do? The Bible says, he arose and followed him. Mark 
Matthew rather chapter 9 and verse 9. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. And what did he do? He arose and followed him. So you can see that Jesus always demanded that those who come to him may become staunch followers of what he believes in. He wanted them to be devoted to him, to be passionate about him, to be sold out to his cause. No wonder he told them, leave everything, come and follow me. Is a man who had an excuse when Jesus commanded him to follow him in Luke chapter 9 and verse 59. Jesus told him, follow me. And he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. He said, I'm willing to follow you, but on one condition. Let me just go and bury my father first. Now, when you read this scripture, you might think that the father was dead. The father was not dead. Because if the father was dead, he could not have been where Jesus was. He could be at home mourning. He could be in Mashakaya. Yeah, preparing for the burial of his father. So that means the father was alive. So he wanted to go and wait until the father is dead and, and then until he knows the will that the father has written, written concerning property to see what he will get out of that thing before he follows Jesus. And that's how many of us are. We have a lot of excuses why we should not follow him. But for you to become a disciple of Jesus, you must be devoted to him. You must remove all excuses. You must remove all obstacles. Any hurdle on your way to discipleship has to be removed so that you may become a disciple of Jesus fully. Amen. Some people follow Jesus at a distance. Some people follow him periodically. Others follow only when it is easy to do so. But an authentic disciple of Jesus Christ follows him instantly and constantly. He follows Jesus Christ all the time. And I pray that in this congregation, God will raise up disciples of Jesus. That you become a disciple of Jesus, you will follow him. You will make a decision. You will understand the demands of discipleship. And you become a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. No matter what happens in your life. May the disciples of Jesus arise. May the disciples of Jesus arise. And when they become disciples, what will happen is they will love the church. And when they love the church, they will become valuable members of the church. Let's stand to our feet and pray. Father, help us. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Let's sing. I have this to follow Jesus. I have decided 
today make that choice make that decision today follow Jesus become a disciple become a disciple of Jesus Christ follow him obey him live for him deny yourself take up your cross and follow him father I pray today we shall be your disciples we will love you we will walk with you we shall understand and embrace the demands of discipleship we shall be devotees who are devoted to Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Strengthen us to be disciples indeed. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can now get in touch with Dr. Dazu Techero on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.